Welcome to the Great American Collectible Show, seen Wednesdays on the Sports Collectors Daily Facebook page and the Great American Collectibles Facebook page. You can also listen to us on iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Spotify. The Great American Collectibles Show is brought to you by the National Sports Collectors Convention and Sports Collectors Daily. Tonight's headlines are brought to you by Sports Collectors Daily. For all your hobby news, features, and more, go to sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now your host, Tom Zappala and Red Sox Hall of Famer, Rico Petroselli. Hi. What do you mean, hi? You say hi to me. I'm a veteran, eh? Yeah, you were in Cub Scouts. <laughs> so, I'm a veteran of... You were never in nice the service, were you? Of course I was. What I, branch? Army, 1964, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Oh, wait a second. You were in the Army in 64, and I think you were playing for the Red Sox. So you must have had a real... Saw some action, did you? Hey, <laughs> you're kidding me. I'll tell you, you want me to tell you on air, I don't want to do that. It takes what did up you too do, much. coach baseball? No, no. I was a spittoon leader. <laughs> spittoon leader. Wait, really? <laughs> Welcome to the Great American Collectible Show. Tom Zappler, my co-host, Red Sox Hall of Famer, Rico Petricelli, and we have a very special guest. Yes. This is Rico's son, Michael, Mike Michael. Petricelli. Yep. He brought in some free stuff for us. That's the only reason he's here <laughs> and the only reason he was invited. But my- Welcome, Michael. Oh, it's great gonna, to be here. Thanks great kid. Having, great. Yeah. Kid. I don't know how this, oh, you know, well, God bless your mother. That's mom, all I can say. Mom, God yeah, bless your mother. Wow. Hey, we have a great show today. Our good friend, <laughs> Al Christofoli from Love of the Game Auctions is in with us. Al, how are you? Hello, Al. Gentlemen, Hello. how are you? Good, good. Later on in the show, we've got uh, Scott Russell coming in from oh, the Collector Connection. Yeah. Um, you can listen to us on, watch us on Facebook, YouTube, listen to us on Pandora, any of your favorite platforms. Um, you can listen to us. We're all over the place now. Thank God. Praise the saints in heaven. <laughs> now, this is the headline. I crapped out. I took the original headline, and I, I just threw it in the dumpster before we got on the air. The headline is, we are going to show you a piece of memorabilia that, we stu- that this gentleman stumbled upon two days ago, and this is going to be a huge Boston story. I'm going to tee up the story, and then Rico's going to tell it. Rico and I and Elsie and Ellen were invited to a banquet, uh, uh, the Italian-American Sports Hall of Fame here in Massachusetts. I used to be on the board of directors there. They've always invited us. They kicked them off. What? (laughs) They did not kick me off. No, I know. Rico, obviously, is an inductee Hall of Fame member. Ellen and I couldn't attend because we were in New York this past weekend, but Rico and Elsie went. Yeah. Now I'm going to hand the story off. Can you say the guy's name? Like, Tom DiBenedetto. Okay, tell us what happened. <clears throat> yeah, we went to the banquet. Just to go back, in 1967, the last day we, well, we at least tied, but we we won, you know, the pennant. We won the pennant. Okay, so the crowd came on the field. I mean, just crazy. They were Jim Lomberg, who won the Cy Young Award. What they were carrying him off on their shoulders to right field. So I had the ball. I wanted to bring the ball to Jim. Because you caught the last. I caught the last oh. out. Yeah, right. My claim to fame. So I'm trying to get near him, and I had my, my left glove and hand. The glove went up, you know, and yeah. I had my fingers on my hat. I wanted that hat so bad. It was like I was digging holes in my head. And... <laughs> and Going along, I couldn't get to Lombard, so I started to head towards the dugout, and you couldn't run because there were so many people on there. So I'm walking. I must have taken my, my hand off for a second, and all of a sudden, shoom, somebody took my, I saw him run. Who the heck? It was a little kid. It's a young guy. No, it was a- 13, 14? No, no, he was a college student, because uh, I asked him. I thought it was a younger guy, but no, he was, well, you know, 21, 20 years old, whatever it was. His name is- uh, uh, Tom DiBenedetto, his name is. And all these years... Well, 50- hold on now. Stop. Go ahead. Tom DiBenedetto was inducted on Sunday oh, right. to the Italian-American Hall of Fame. And, you ready for this? He's one of the minority owners of the Boston Red Sox. Continue. Very well. His whole family was there. It was great. So I, uh, he gets up there. They announce him. Congratulations. And he has something in his hands in the, in the bag... And they said, uh, and he tells a story. I says, 
You were the kid? You were the guy who, who stole my oh, hat? Isn't that an unbelievable? Here is the hat. May Fif- I hold this up? Yeah, 57 years. How many years later? This is the hat worn by Mr. Petroselli with the little number six in it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely my hat. He I mean, wore the day they clinched, and one of the owners was- of the Boston Red Sox 57 years ago was the kid that clipped it off of Rico's wow. head. Yeah. It was, is that, that, was is that an amazing great. story? That, that really is. Oh. Uh, and I wanted that hat. I mean, I held it so tight. I wanted that hat. It's something about it. And, um, and so, you know, it was too late. What was I going to do? So I lost it. Uh, okay. And uh, here we are. By the way, Rico's head is way too big now for it to fit. Well, way no, they sh- hey, 57 <laughs> years, it shrunk. Huh? So he gave you back the hat. He gave, yeah, it back he gave the me hat. back. Give me After back. After 57 years. Did you pop him in the nose? No, I said I couldn't believe it was no, you. No, because he's responsible for when Rico does a signing at Fenway Park. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I, I said, you want to buy it for 50 grand? I give it back to you. <laughs> anyway, great story, isn't it? That is a great uh, story. What? It was just incredible. All right, Al, you know, uh, there's a lot we want to talk to you about your your. Right now, you're not. You're in between auctions, correct? Yes. And you're you're accepting consignments, but we'll talk about that a little later. Your last auction was very successful, correct? A lot of fun. Yes. And a you, lot of fun. you did well. Al, can you do us? I know we always get these questions from people. Can you kind of take us behind the scenes of a typical love of the game auction? Because I know you don't have a real big crew, but. When you know when you start looking for consignments, when they come in, and the process until to the day that the auction ends, would you mind doing that? It's magic. <clears throat> it is magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's you know it's it's gotten a lot more streamlined, a lot more organized as we've grown because we've got people who do certain things, right? So so where at the beginning it was just me. Uh, running around like a chicken without a head. Now, now there's you know there's a lot more uh, formal process to it. So, um, as we're shipping, I'm already uh, you know reaching out to people about consignments for the next auction. There's a lot of consignments that just kind of come in. Um, you know, we've been at it for a decade now, and and we've kind of got a reputation for a certain type of item, and so a lot of times that type of item just comes our way naturally, which is great. Um, but, uh, you know, there's also always, um, uh, you know, people that we reach out to and people have certain things that we're, you know, we're interested in that sort of thing. As the material comes in, um, you know, we track it as it gets in. We communicate with the consigners once the material has, has arrived. Uh, and then immediately we have photography here on staff and we're shooting and, and uh, mm, uh, you know, loading see, things into the next ask, auction. Yeah. So, you know, copy is being constantly written and proofread and all of that. So, you know, we take we put a we put a lot of um, uh, a lot of emphasis on the quality of our writing and the quality of, of our photography and things like that. We think it's one of the things that helps differentiate us uh, from some of our competitors and, uh, you know, so and then once it's here, it, it gets, uh, you know, sort of staged for shipping for the next auction. So it's really kind of like a, you know, a pretty formal process. Uh, it's, it's the only way you can keep things organized. I Does think, everything yeah. come through your house? No, no, we're we're in a um, uh, we're in a, a new building here in Kingston. And uh, so when we first uh, when we first started, when we first came here from New Jersey, um, we moved into a. Uh, uh, a, a former boarding house, and and what we did was we we turned the upstairs into office space, gotcha. and then the downstairs was where we live. Um, but what happened was we we outgrew it pretty quickly, and and so uh, uh, we've taken up some space in a in a building that's kind of on the outskirts of the city, and and uh, you know it's very close. Um, but we've got storage and photography and shipping operations set up there. That's wow. where I'm sitting right now. Then I have we still have the offices at the at the old place at the at the you know above the house um, where I'll go and do writing from and you know we've got some inventory that we store there but it's not any of the inventory that we're working with for the current auction this building where where I'm sitting is where we have our uh, our inventory in the current auction the stuff that's going to ship and the inventory that's coming in for the next auction that's going to get staged and moved into that inventory room. So it really is kind of a process flow uh, where everything comes in and goes out. 
Have you thought about opening a store good in question. your building or, you know what I mean, to have people come in and look good around? Question, Rico. Well, thank you. You know, we're always thinking of ways that we can expand, Rico, but, yeah. that, but that's not going to be one of them, I don't think. I, you know, I just, I like to stick with what we're good at. Yeah. And, uh, and that's not, uh, I don't think, I don't think one of them. We've talked about doing um, individual events and things like that, uh, where we set up almost like pop up type of things. Um, and, and we may do that at some point, but, uh, really we're so focused on presenting the best auction that we can present, um, that I don't want to stray too far away from that. Al, do you ever do things like, let's use the the town of Kingston as an example. Kingston's uh, Kingston's a pretty big town, good sized town Uh for that part of, uh, of New York. Do you ever do events in the town, maybe at the town library, where you know people can bring their consignments in, you take a look at them, you sit there, you help them out if they don't want to consign, fine, but you, you, you may tell them what you think the, the product is worth. Do you do, you know, like antique yeah, roadshow type we stuff? we have done, you know, a big part of what we've done involves me traveling around the country. I'll get on the road, and, and uh, I've been doing that for 10 years, where, where I'll actually go out and go to people uh and i try and cover the entire country once a year or so um you know it winds up being a little bit more than once a year as part of that sometimes i'll set up somewhere and uh and do uh you know a consigner event where people can bring material in um i think i'm gonna do more of that going forward um especially here in this in this facility one of the things that's kind of cool about this building where we're where we're we've taken space is is that it's also it's a large building used to be a a medical building and what the owners have done is they've taken about half of it and turned it into office space and about half of it is going to be uh art studios where artists come and and rent space to create and in the middle of the building is a big gallery space and all of the tenants of the building can use this gallery space, you know, for a certain amount of times a year. So we may set up and do things like photography exhibits or art exhibits cool. um, in the building and use that as sort of a, a, a way to meet with consigners in the Northeast mm-hmm. and have them come in and maybe bring their consignments and spend a little time with us that way. We are chatting with Al Christofoli from Love of the Game Auctions. I want to ask you what's your opinion of the vault. We asked... Uh, Good question. Yeah. Rico and I hate the vault. Right? <laughs> we hate the vault. I'm just... The only thing that belongs in the vault... I about the vault all day. Think about being thing, in jail. Right. The only thing that belongs in the vault is your personal goods at the vault at the bank or else a dead body. Nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, uh, the vault. What is this vault <laughs> stuff all about? So you so you ask this question and it and it is it I could literally talk about it all day. It's it's a you know I'm not a fan of the vault for a couple of reasons. The the main one um, from the standpoint of being a collector, um, there's a part of this hobby that's very tactile. You know whether you collect cards or photos or or whatever, um, having it in your possession, having it in your hands, and understanding. You know what? What is a what is a cabinet photo? What's the difference in size between a 1953 tops and a 1957 tops? I mean, this, these are little pieces of art. When we're talking about cards, and when you're talking about memorabilia, they're a lot of times big pieces of art. I like to surround myself with that stuff. I mean, there's really no there's no replacement for flipping through a set of cards in a binder, and and the and the feeling that that gives you as you interact with the stuff. And when when it winds up in a vault. Uh, and you never actually have it, um, you lose that piece of the hobby. It's almost it's almost the same thing as if you're a music fan and you have like a vinyl record collection. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the idea of of taking the record out of the sleeve and, and putting it on your platter and sitting back and listening to it and listening to the, you know, reading the liner notes and interacting with that art versus, you know, pulling up a song on your phone and playing it on your phone. It's a completely different experience. But now, what about people who spend a million plus? Put it in your own vault in the bank. So this this is where, as a Rico, as a business person, where it gets me crazy. Because because where this really originates is is with the South Dakota versus Wayfair uh, uh, ruling, which essentially Wayfair uh, was selling furniture. You know, they're a big yeah, online Wayfair, retailer sure, of, yeah. of furniture and things. Yeah. And the, the uh, South Dakota government 
realized that what people were doing is they were they were skirting the sales tax by buying online versus buying from retailers in uh, in South Dakota. So what it was doing is it was it was hurting mom and pop businesses and it was also taking revenue away from the state in their opinion. And so the ruling essentially paved the way for states to collect sales tax from uh, from online sales. And and the main reason for that is because they wanted to go after the big companies and get that revenue to get that tax revenue from the Amazons and the Ebays and the big companies like that. So what happens here is. Uh, you know, this this ruling, which is designed to collect sales tax from sales to large businesses, yeah, winds yeah. up hurting small businesses because what some of these larger companies have done is they've just said, OK, what we're going to do is we're going to set up a, an address for you in a state where there's no sales tax. Right. Yeah. Delaware, no Oregon, action. you know, wherever. And yeah. And so now you win a thing from an auction and we as auctioneers ship it to these vaults and in the vaults, you know, now the big business is able to give you a tax dodge where you're not paying sales tax, but also now they have the thing and you're going to pay them some percentage of what you would be paying to the government. So the, so the bigger companies have the resources to set these vaults up. They're taking some of that money that would have gone to sales tax Meanwhile, small businesses like mine and like Scott's are struggling to stay compliant with these crazy Good laws, point. which differ from state yeah. to state. The 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 uh, I'm sure that Mike, you probably have this same issue when you sell outside of Massachusetts. When you get to a certain threshold, you you sell in New Hampshire, you sell in Pennsylvania or New Jersey or New York. All of a sudden, you now have to report every month or every quarter, whatever the state's requirements are, whether you sell anything that month in that state or not. We the first month that we had to uh, uh, to report sales tax or collect sales tax in Arizona, um, we didn't have any sales, and we were one day late with our with our sales tax report, and we got a hundred and fifty dollar fine for being one day late to report zero sales. Unbelievable. So the, you know the, the the burden on small companies is is uh, unbearable. And and so, like I said, I could sit here and I could no, talk that's about good. all you, that. You, you, yeah, yeah. you just enlightened us. We are chatting with Al from Love of the Game Auctions. All right, right now it's time for our segment, On Deck with Rico, brought to us by our good friend Brian Dwyer and the great staff at REA Auctions. Don't forget to get your bid in by going to robertedwardauctions.com. That's Robert Edward Auctions for extraordinary results and extraordinary service. Time for On Deck with Peter Pesicelli. Happy, why do we always do that? <laughs> okay. Rico, here is the question. Well, certainly. Thank you. This question, <laughs> Chrissy's going to shoot me. Uh-huh. This question was submitted by a gentleman whose name is Richard Gilmet. Kind of a cool question. Two-part question. Did you ever get into it with a fan giving you the business during a game? Get into it means Get what? into a jam with them, get into an argument. Fight or uh, an yeah, argument. With people you know. harassing you. And what stadium was the worst? The first part of the question, did you ever get into it with a fan when you were playing? Nope, never did. I never listened to the fans. Called me bum and rat. And I, Really, seriously. And you never, you never let nah, it bother you? never let it bother me. I just, I told you what I did when things were going bad. What? <clears throat> Drove home. Got a 128. <laughs> Wait, I got a 128. <laughs> I parked on the side and screamed. Our no, dog. Our dog got kicked a lot. <laughs> no, no, and laid down in the middle of the road and hoped they ran over me. <laughs> no, no, but uh, a couple of the guys uh, in certain cities, they were Reggie Smith, Tony C. Um, you know, Frank Malzone in New York, people were getting down his father. father was an elderly man, came to the games, and uh, had problems. But uh, I never did. It never bothered you. That's- well, not – although one time, I will say that Cleveland, they, they usually had bad teams. They put on a nickel beer night. You could buy a beer for a nickel. Hey, it's a the, recipe for disaster. By the seventh inning, they were coming over the fence. We were fighting, fighting people. Get, they came over, somebody came over with a club. What's going on here? That's the last time they had a nickel. Uh, so, at what stadium was the worst for you? Oh, uh, for me? Um, had to be Yankee, um, no? 
You in New York? Yeah, yeah. Most of them, New York, but most of them are my relatives. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but uh, uh, New York was tough, but they, they weren't too bad on me. I, I, I don't know. It wasn't. You uh, got along with everyone. Yeah. All right. Good. All right. We're gonna take a quick break. We come back. We're gonna come back with another Gax moment. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Six, Brian Drent and the staff at Denver's Mile High Card Company have led the charge in the collectibles hobby. Mile High is a full-service dealer specializing in buying and selling cards and offers a competitive consignment program for all collectors. Whether it be their computerized want list service, appraisals, or auction services, Mile High has it all. If you've been searching for a company with a selection of high-grade vintage 1888 to 1970 baseball cards and memorabilia that shares your passion, aim high, mile high. Go to milehighcardco.com or call 303-840-2784 for more information. This is Brian Drent, president of Mile High Card Company. Is your sports card and memorabilia collection properly insured? For easily replaced personal property, homeowner's insurance is all most people need. But for prized possessions that you may have spent a lifetime collecting, it doesn't go nearly far enough. Collectibles Insurance Services has been insuring for over 50 years. They offer a full range of protection and a $0 deductible at an affordable rate with no appraisals required. I know because they insure my collection. If you have a minute, go to collectinsure.com and learn more about insuring your personal card or memorabilia collection. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE. Or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. How would you like to own the bat that was used by your favorite player when he hit that towering home run or game-winning base hit? Now look no further than JT Sports, specializing in the sale and authentication of professional game-used bats. As the official authenticators of professional model game used bats for PSA DNA, JT Sports will guarantee the authenticity of any bat purchased from them. JT Sports also buys and sells game-worn uniforms, gloves, and baseball equipment. The unique quality of the collectible is what JT Sports is all about. Give them a call at 609-487-8003 or check them out at GameUseBats.com. The CSA Show is proud to present, give me a drum roll, brrr, the Chantilly Show being held on March 31st to April 2nd. It's held at the uh, Dulles Expo Center in Chantilly, Virginia, just minutes from the Dulles International Airport, celebrating over 27 years at the same location. There'll be over 300 dealer tables exhibiting on over 100,000 square feet of space. That's a lot. With both vintage sports cards and memorabilia, as well as modern-day sports treasures, you won't have to look very far for that special card, bat, ball, or autograph. Major auction houses and third-party grading companies will be on site to assist you with your collecting and authentication needs. Some of your favorite superstars will be on hand, including football greats, Trevor Lawrence. Oh, now he's great, huh? Two years. Jamar Chase, 
CC, CD, CD Lamb, that's CC, Micah Parsons, Randy Moss, Emmett Smith, and many more. For more information, go to That's the Chantilly Show, where you can buy, find all of your sports collectible treasures. <laughs> Wait a minute. Would you leave out? I didn't leave anything out. You, you can't read. You didn't leave anything out. Wait. For more information, go to... Chantilly at csashows.com. Is it in here? Oh. That's, that's what I mean. Hey. Chantillyshow.com. Uh, Great uh, show. It really is. All right. What do you, what do you want from that's me? That's it. Right. That's right. All right. Welcome to another Gax Moment, brought to you by our good friend Paul Borges and PB Collectibles, your neighborhood card shop. Go to pbcollectibles.com to find that special card or piece of memorabilia. This week, I want to talk about a subject that a lot of people have asked me to talk about. So I am going to be the voice of the people today. The new PSA magazine is quite different from the old SMR. It's very slick, geared towards modern cards, especially basketball, and uses a lot of the current buzzwords to attract collectors. But who is it really catering to? I think it's really catering to the millennial collectors and Gen Z collectors. Certainly not the vintage collectors. Now, let's hold up this magazine. This is an old SMR. How many times did you see a collector at a show with this magazine under his or her arm? It was the pricing bible. You could find prices right at your fingertips on any card for any of the main issues uh, that, were, that were published, uh, from T206s up to the present. You didn't need to have to go online to price up the most popular issues. Look at the thickness of this book. Look at the thickness of this book. Vintage collectors, quite frankly, are not really interested in the new for format. But young collectors are. My grandson is a perfect example. He absolutely loves it. Um, me, I give him my copy of PSA. I miss SMR. Um, I have no problem with the PSA magazine. Interesting articles, the slick buzzwords are touting the modern and ultra-modern market. But the vintage collectors would like more pricing and even a story or two on what's hot in the vintage market. Come on, PSA. Can't you kind of help us here, meet us halfway, and make it a little more interesting for vintage collectors also? And that's another Gax moment. Okay, we are chatting with Al Crisofoli from, I was going to say PSA Magazine, uh, from I Love, Love of the Game Auctions. Hi, Al. How are you? <laughs> Gents. How are you? Things are well. I'm, He's smiling. With I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm, good, you know, good. I'm doing well. Good. That's, that's what we want here. All right. We talked about the vault. Now I'm going to throw another word at you uh, that we talked about last week. Uh, you were not here. Mr. Mallory was here. You know, again, I refer to us as a buzzword, influencers. An influencer. What are your thoughts on influencers? Influenza. In, in, yeah, influenza is right. Influencers <laughs> in the current collectibles market. Now, I just want to preface this by saying there are some very good influencers, in my opinion, but there are also some influencers that, in my opinion, are working for a higher deity, a bigger company, and just kind of working working the, 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 the masses in their favor. What is your opinion on that, Mr. Christofoli? We're old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I mean that's what it is. The, you know the world has changed. I, you know I, I spend a lot of time uh, railing about the fact that there's no more standard catalog, right? Because every year that's how you you would you would learn about the you know the new discoveries in the hobby the new sets in the hobby and things like that you go to the standard catalog every every once in a while i would discover one and report it to the standard catalog 
you know, that's how collectors learned about things. That's how they learned about sets and cards that they didn't know anything about. There's no more standard catalog. And, and you know, what has replaced that way of learning about the hobby? I don't care what it is, whether it's online or, or whatever it is, you know, whether it's people on Instagram, the, the, you know, or, or on Twitter or whatever. That's fine. Well, you know, we need to learn about the hobby. We need to learn things. We need to bring in new collectors. And however we do that, however technology allows us to do that is fine. The only thing that's important to me is that when you put something out there, it's got to be right. You know, you, you, you know so I, I see sometimes people getting online and, and going on to social media and, and talking about something, uh, you know, a card set or something like that. And the information that they're, they're, that they're putting out there is not accurate. And, and that's a problem because once it's out there, it's out there, it's become part of the next guy's research. And, and that's something that, you know, that I take really seriously. I mean, if, if we're going to take some kind of a leadership role in the hobby, uh, by, you know, being an influencer or by making a, you know, by writing for a blog or, or anything like that, you got to be thoroughly researched. You know, you can't just put something out there because you, you want to. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, I agree it, with I mean, that. I mean, I mean, you go on YouTube, sometimes you can go on YouTube and there are, there is, I call them, there are influencers that have 40, 50, 60, 70,000 followers and have gotten hundreds of thousands of views and they recommend a, uh, I don't know, a Joe Smith uh, prism, blah, 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 uh, PSA 10, go out and buy one. This is a hot card. And if you do a little digging, and you dig, and you dig, and you dig, which I have done, Mr. Crisofoli, you will see that some of these influencers are uh, working for larger companies that yeah. are promoting that particular issue or that kind. Right, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Or, I mean, up, that's not up. very different than, I mean, you used to see guys go on the message boards and pump a card that, that they thought was super rare, and it turns out they own one and they just consigned it to an auction and they're they're out there trying to drum up it. I mean, that kind of thing happens, you know, and it and I, I think it's important to call it out when you see it, you know, because you, you do want there to be some sort of perception that, you know, or, you know, there is some sort of perception that when you're up there and you're positioning yourself as a subject matter expert, that you're being a subject matter expert and it's not you know, you're pumping something that you've, you've got a financial interest in. The only thing is, though, they're going to continue to do it. And they, to, as my opinion is that guys like yourself, you know, auction guy, the guys who own the auction have to come on or go on uh, YouTube, if that was the case, or have their own blogs to talk about it. Well, or else it's not going to happen. I mean, even I mean, a half, a half yeah, hour I mean, show. You're an expert, Al. I mean, he, Rico's making a hell of a good point. You're an expert. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Derek is a, is a Joe, Joe Orlando's an expert. And do, I mean, do you advise people that, hey, you know something, this card is not as, as valuable or as, 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 as good as this particular individual it's is saying? It's a fine line because, you know, as we're sitting here talking about who's the good guys and who's the bad guys, I, I mean, this is my income. This right. is my business. Right. You know, I'm, I'm here to promote my company. And, and uh, uh, you know, there's a, there's a part of me, a significant part of me that's a hobbyist and that, that I consider myself to be a steward of this hobby. It's very important to me that anything that's out there that my company puts out there is accurate and that somehow contributes to the betterment of the hobby that's important to me as a human being you know as a as a kid who's been a collector that's how i choose to run my business and i and i understand that not everybody's that way um but but uh you know i i feel like it's it's a fine line because if there's if there's something that's in my auction it's hard to it's you know I don't want to talk about I don't want to say hey don't buy this no no I understand that it makes all you know, sense what I, what I will do is is uh, you know if I think that something is overgraded that's in my auction I'll mention that in the description you, you know, know I, I, I you know I want to make sure that people are confident in what they're getting from me you know when Scott comes on Scott later on uh, Scott has a uh, 
he's got a, a really a real knack of really telling it like it is, which I appreciate. Yeah. I mean, he'll he'll look at a card and he'll he'll specify really if the card. Even though the card looks like it's worth more, it really isn't. Or, I mean, he does that. No matter what the card is or the item is, he gives a really, and you do too, a really solid description of, well, you know something, you know, yeah. here there's a nick, or, you know, it's, and that's what you got to do. I yeah, think but there's, uh, a, there's what's a, the vehicle to do it? Uh, yeah, exactly. You got to go. You got to have a yeah. somebody be a spokesperson. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Have it's, show and, and to know what's, see what's going on. Yeah, That's I think, my, you know, one of the no, things right. that's interesting is that this explosion in the hobby, this, this, uh, you know, this crazy growth that we've experienced since the pandemic, um, you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of people who are in the business end of the hobby that are investor types that are that are people who don't come from the hobby. It's great. We want new collectors. We want new people in the hobby. Sure. But you can definitely tell. Um, you know, which people came from the hobby and which people are new to the hobby. Right. And, and uh, you know, it's it's interesting to me sometimes to see, you know, different events that pop up around uh, the hobby where they're having, you know, expert panel discussions and things like that. And you look at the people on the panel, you've never heard of them. Exactly. Anymore. That's the, you're <laughs> you making know? my point. It's, it's uh, you know, that's a I thing. want to ask and, Mike a question. Michael, it's a different Different industry, but I don't know. Let's take a product, uh, a jersey, for instance. Yeah. So when you, I mean, you can get jerseys wholesale that are cheap. Mm. You can get jerseys wholesale that are high end. Do you talk to your customers about what they're looking for when it comes to the, you know, the quality of a particular item? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of the things that Al just mentioned, which is so important and resonates with me, is that. The honesty. If you get away from honesty and you think you're going to pull something off on a customer or, or even a prospect just because you think you're going to get an edge, that's going to come back to haunt you. And, and we, we, we do the same thing. I, I am absolutely honest about everything we, we do because, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be an expert. And, and I, I will guide people in that way. And, uh, you know, that, that's extremely important. Then absolutely. I have a complaint yeah. about the oh. uh, about the pen your father brought in. Cut he him brought, off. He brought a Cut pen Cut him in. off. He, he brought a pen in that it didn't uh, have no. the thing, the thing you write with that was missing, this thing. Yeah, yeah. Just well, he, he, he don't he believe him. He <laughs> hey, here's <laughs> a pen. He's trying to sabotage me. Yeah. No. no, I'm just no, but kidding. But I understand your point. Yeah. It's but, important. But it, That's why I say if if you don't if they continue to do that and other people continue to do that and they have three or four different shows, yeah. you know, pushing uh, what they want to push, then you got to have uh, somebody come back. It's about trust. Uh, I'm a marketing guy. Trust. Mike is too. What am I? You are a grave digger. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, no. You are. I mean, you know the you know the uh, the industry, but uh, I you. You have to keep, you know, having somebody to answer Absolutely. for some of these other things that are going on. Anyway, I'm not saying, Al, that you have to do it. I mean, it'd be nice uh, if they, you know, somebody would do it. That's my you idea. know, Al, I want to ask, we've got about five minutes before we take a break, so we've got some time. Um, you know, 20 years ago, the hot cards for just the average collector were, you know, the <clears throat> top 50s. 60s, play ball, uh, Gaudis. Now that the Gen X's are in their late, uh, late, uh, Gen, yeah, Gen X's are in their late 40s, early 50s, are the cards from the 70s becoming more popular than they were, say, 15 years ago? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I, I think we, we, we tell people collect what you know, collect what you like, right? And, and uh, you know, people know the players that they watch. Right. You know, it's, it's great and it's important to be, uh, you know, a student of history. But uh, do you guys play Immaculate Grid? Uh, no, no. Okay. Never heard the, of you, you know what it is? No. No. Okay. So, so it's, a, it's a, uh, a game that's on the Internet. And, and what you get is you get a uh, – it's a grid of, of three squares across and down. And and the X and Y axis is either a baseball team or 
uh, an award or a statistical achievement, right? So you might have on the top the Red Sox and on the and the top left the Mets. Yeah. And that square there, you need to think of somebody who played for the Red Sox and the Mets and put their name in. Oh, there, okay. okay, good. That's good. And, like and and I like to think of myself as a student of pre-war baseball, as vintage baseball, right? right? But when I play Immaculate Grid, uh, more than half of the names that I come up with are guys that I watched when I was a kid, you know, guys in the 70s and the early 80s, because those are the people that I remember. And I remember when, oh, yeah, my 1976, you know, uh, uh, Raj Moret was, was, was one of the answers that I had. Um, just yesterday, it was uh, he had to play with the Red Sox and the Braves, yeah. and I remember my 1976 Topps traded card where he was traded from the Red Sox to the Braves, and and so that's you know that's I don't I don't yeah, yeah I, I don't a fun thing. it's weird that that people gravitate to to what they know, and and so naturally yeah. as as folks my age start to you know, get up there and start to think about nostalgia. Well, that's, you know, I grew up in the seventies and, and uh, in the early eighties. Is that, is that going to affect the value? I'm, I'm looking at it from a value perspective, right? It's a snapshot. Does that, is that going to affect the value of a, an older card from, from the fifties or, or the forties, a play ball card or something, uh, you know, because of the popularity of the seventies and more people buying them, is that going to affect the, the prices of the older cards? You know, one of the things that I've seen over the and it and this is not a new phenomenon. It's it's something that I've seen over the past maybe twenty or thirty years, is not so much the Hall of Famers, but the minor stars, the guys like uh, Elson Howard and Moose Scourin and 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 guys like that, where those oh, values have gone down. It's yeah, almost like is. people have forgotten them. You know, people yeah. have forgotten who's well, who's Moose. Yeah, yeah, you know, because you don't hear the names very often. But boy, the what am I? Wait a second. What gen am I? Gen Gen Q. Gen Q. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, Gen Q. Gen Q. You're like all really? but you're like you're in the same generation as uh, Julius Caesar. Yeah. I'm Gen, Gen X, Caesar. so that makes you guys like Gen B. Yeah. Gen B. <laughs> you're a baby boomer. All right, listen. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, our other good friend from the Collector Connection. You're gonna stick with us right to the end, Al. By the way. Yeah. Uh, Scotty, uh, Scotty Russell from the Collector Connection stiff. is going to join us. They know each other. And uh, hang in there. We'll be right back. Pristine Auction is a family-owned and operated online auction specializing in autographed memorabilia, sports cards, coins, art, and collectibles. Since their founding in 2010, they've grown to two facilities in Phoenix, Arizona, totaling over 60,000 square feet. Jared Cavalli and an incredible staff of over 150 team members serve a very large customer base and enjoy every minute of it. By working with leading authentication companies, Pristine ensures all items are 100% authentic. In addition, third-party authenticators regularly travel to Pristine Auction to provide authentication services on-site. Pristine Auction strives to operate its business in a way that's honoring to God, their families, and their customers. With a strong focus on speed, quality and premier customer service their mission is to be the leading online auction for every level of collector and fan pristine also works for hope sports and identity hoops international traveling to mexico to build houses for the less fortunate pristine auction offers several online auction formats with thousands of auctions ending each day for more information go to pristineauction.com that's pristine auction the best in the business If you're a discerning collector interested in owning the most important pieces in the hobby, look no further than Leland's Auctions. The original sports auction and appraisal house, Leland's was established in 1985 by legendary pioneer founder Joshua Leland Evans. And today, President Mike Hefner carries on their tradition. From the Tom Brady card and memorabilia collection, to the famed Boston Garden Auction, to high-end card auctions from every major sport. Leland's has always maintained the highest standards. Go to Leland's.com and get your bid in. That's Leland's, the hobby's leading sports auction house for four decades. It's often been said that championships are won on the practice field, and world records come only to those willing to work harder than everybody else. Heritage Auctions is the world's largest collectibles auctioneer, because we believe that becoming the best is only an invitation to the challenge of remaining the best. This requires the skills of the hobby's top experts, 
capable of identifying and maximizing value for our consigners. It requires the most visited website in the industry, supporting a global audience of collectors over a million and a half strong. It requires a dedicated press department that expands our global reach far beyond the entrenched hobby marketplace. It's hard work, but a simple premise. Present the finest collectibles to the largest population of potential buyers, and world records will come. We invite all listeners to put the unmatched power of Heritage Auctions to work for you. Auction evaluations are always free, and our commission-based fee structure ensures that our interests are always aligned. The highest possible price for your collectibles. There will always be new world records to chase, so let's chase them together. Visit our website at ha.com and request your no-obligation review today. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. Hey, I'm Mike Petroselli. If your company is looking for the best in marketing and promotional items, you'll hit a home run with Petroselli Marketing. With over 8,000 suppliers and 650,000 imprint-ready items, we can get your company the visibility it needs to get your maximum exposure. Whether it be office promotions, wearables, automotive, sports items, and everything in between, Petroselli Marketing can do it all. Our design staff will even work with you from concept to delivery and customize your products. At Petroselli Marketing Group, we will get your brand in front of your audience. Contact us at info at PetroselliMKT.com or call us at 603-880-3202. That's Petroselli Marketing, where no dream is impossible. I don't know who that guy was, but uh, <laughs> imprinted products keep your brand in front of your customers more than any other form of advertising. It's true. For the best on-time service and new ideas for your next product project, Give Petroselli Marketing a call at 800-264-4294. I actually know the number. And, or go to our website at PetroselliMKT.com. Michael, very good. Better good. Than Thanks. Thanks. Well, Thanks. You know something? I, I, I'm going to take that responsibility away from you. <laughs> Me? Yeah. Why? Because you I don't can't... read it properly. I don't. Huh? I tell you, I get a little extra. You do. I beg. I beg. Basically. All right. Let's bring in our other friend, Scotty Russell. Scott, I got to ask Scott. you a question. Is that a new do you got going? Yeah, uh, you know, I just I saw it in the camera and went, "What the heck got my hair this morning?" So <laughs> no, it's not intentional. All right. <laughs> you know, Al, say hi to Al. Hey, how, how, how are you? See you. Hey, listen. You have a. Uh, you have t- this auction. Is this the biggest auction you've ever had? I mean, I can't believe. No. I mean, this thing is gigantic. Yeah, it's it's our third biggest pre-war. It is. Uh, it's it's eight hundred and forty lots, um, all 40, 1941 and earlier. And it ends on October 29th, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. So, a couple weeks. Tell us about some of the highlights. Well, uh, I, I can do better than tell you. I can show you. We have uh, the T two hundred six. We have a near set about 480 different from one consigner and then scattered others from other consigners. Uh, but it includes all four of the cobs in, in 
fairly respectable grades and in gorgeous condition. Uh, the guy was actually more uh, careful with his Hall of Fame purchases than he was with his commons. So there's a lot of, you know, kind of poor and, and fair commons, but his big names are all, wow. you know, nice yeah, grades. See that. Very nice. Um, wow. And it's got the Demet and the O'Hara St. Louis. Really? And the El- the Elberfield Washington portrait. So it's it's not 480, but it's missing all the biggies. It's 480, and it actually has most of the biggest cards. That's fabulous. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's huge. This, wow. It's got the demo. Yeah, that, and, and that's the most T206, the closest we've ever been to a full T2, T206 set. Very so. cool. Very cool card. I got a question. Why, uh, you know, I've learned a lot about the T206s from Tom. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> why is that the, the most popular? What about the T205s and so on? You know, there's a lot uh, of. Other- it's, it's, I think it's the perfect sweet spot. Okay. It's the fir- you know the first major comprehensive set that had names that we still recognize today. I mean, you could say Old Judge, but the average person running around might not even be able to name Cap, Cap Anson. Mm, yeah. But the average person knows Ty Cobb. Yeah. yeah. Then yeah. couple that with the fact that there is they are out there. They're not so rare that you just can't do it. You know, they, rarity is cool, but sometimes too rare isn't good. And there's enough T206 out there for the collecting world to get behind it and everybody to be able to get some. I think it's also... So Al, I think Al, it's a perfect storm. Al, chirp in here, okay. too, because I think it's also... Uh, it's a, it's a hell, for a collector, it's a hell of a challenge. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's a challenge that's doable, except for a couple of cards. But, you know, uh, let's go back in time, because I don't know the answer to this. Back in the 20s, back in the 30s, was it a popular issue, or did it become real popular... Because of the Wagner, I mean, did that add to the mystique of the collection, Al? I think it's always been. You know, it's first of all there was a there was a monopoly, you know, on on tobacco, and and so every pack of cigarettes had a card in it, and and uh, uh, had one of those cards in it, and then you know, given all of the different combinations and permutations of cards, there's so many different ways to collect it. You don't have to get all 524 right. cards. You don't have to get all two. You can you can collect 2,000 or whatever it is. You can just collect a certain back. You can collect a certain team. You can get, you know, there's so many different ways to go at it um, that it really does create opportunities for, for every collector to really go at it the way they want to and, and within their own interests, but there's still enough there. And like Scott says, you can get them. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing that's so unaffordable that you know you that i mean there are obviously you can't go get a wagner you can't go get a plank but you know that you can any collector can figure out a way to bite off a little piece of t206 and and you know and there's so much to learn scott um autographs autograph cards Mm -hmm. uh becoming big 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 business big very popular uh you have some in the auction tell us about it Hmm. Ah, well, you, you stumped me. I wasn't expecting oh, actually, that question. You have, um, you have autographs, though. I mean, you have a lot of autographs. Yeah, we definitely have autographs. Uh, but, a lot but, of three-by-fives uh, from an old autograph collection from the 50s, but autog- which has, like, T206 figures in it. But what are your thoughts on autograph cards? I mean, how popular is uh, that they, becoming? They've become a big thing for us. Um, and even, interestingly, some of the early insert autograph cards, which came pre-autographed, have experienced a boom because of the general autograph card boom. We've been doing a lot of vintage autograph cards, everything from 52 tops or guys who died young, like Maris and Howard. Um, but then like I said, like the upper deck heroes uh, or the uh, Don Russ elite autographs have also gone up, even though they were pack, you know, factory autograph, we call them. So it's, it's been interesting to see that market develop. You know, Michael and I pitched in, and we bought uh, 10,000 Rico Petroselli cards. <laughs> and we have Rico once a week locked up in a room just signing. <laughs> yeah, right? right? Just signing, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Here's the I, pen, I joke about it, but I usually have a Rico autograph card sitting here somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I got a question. You guys, are, you guys are experts. I mean, you're in the field. You know the... We had, uh, I mentioned the well, hat. Well, Scott, Scott doesn't know the story. Well, yeah, this is a hat from 67. It was taken okay. off my head, and the guy who, 
who gave it back to me, is a part owner of the Red Sox. He's from the area. I've known him a long time. He never told me that he got it. But I never hear we all talk about cards. What about hats? Do you guys have hats that, uh, you know, you're in your Again, auctions? Scott, uh, just real briefly, yeah. I'm going to put it in perspective. Hey, hey, what's that? This hat is 57 years old. Okay. It was given to Rico this past Sunday. It was stolen oh. by it was stolen by a 21-year-old kid. I know that kid. story. And the 21-year-old kid hey, is one of the doing? owners of the Red Sox. This is a, so, wow. This is very, very I know you know, it is. <laughs> so, I mean, is there value... I'm going to use this hat as an example. I mean, with the provenance, is there value in this particular hat, especially if you're a Red Sox? Fan? Hats. I, 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 who gave you the question? I, mean, I so gave you the question. This was the pennant. This was stolen yes. off your head at the pennant winning game, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, just hats so. in general. I'm asking 50000 yeah. for this, but uh, beside <laughs> that. <laughs> no. Do you have hats? Uh, we, you have have, sign, we haven't had game use hats, but there's definitely a market for okay, them. Okay, I was just curious. Um, we've had cleats, we've had jerseys, but we haven't had any hats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bunch. I don't know if they're harder to tell what they are because there's less information on them than on a jersey. Well, isn't it tough, though? I mean, like, your, your number six is on there. Oh, yeah. And there's provenance here, but is it, isn't it difficult to kind of, uh, uh, to fo- like, for instance, photo match a cap? It's, it must yeah, be and I think that's the issue. Yeah. Listen, you know, I, is, I, is that you know a jersey has all sorts of tags and 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 information on it, where a cap has six written in a black marker. Yeah, you know, I, I, well, that's true. Can I can I trade you this hat? For he now? wants to. I, I got to present this. marketing hat. Let me see that give thing. You, so hey, hold on. Can, 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 can we have? Hey, hey, yeah, yeah. But can right, I have so, this one? So Michael just traded a Petroselli marketing hat for another Petroselli hat. Yeah, yeah, right. You take trade then, right? Petroselli. Yeah, right. Hey, see, and I'll give. You're getting it anyway. You What's two. the difference? You can have two, and then I'll even give you a koozie. How's that? Yeah. Scott, we got about two and a, a half minutes koozies. left. What are some of the? Oh, I wanted to ask you. Uh, boxing. Yeah. You got some boxing uh, again in your uh, boxing? Yeah, all the time. I'm a boxing guy. I am a boxing guy. Really am. I someday I'm going to show you my collection uh, from. I told you, from Tony DeMarco. I have a, a fa- yeah. fabulous co- collection. Ellen and I ghost wrote his book, uh, Undisputed Welterweight Champ. I love, I am just a boxing freak. And you've got some, tell us about some of the stuff you've got. Yeah, we've got some neat stuff, a neat selection. And we've got some exhibits, uh, Dempsey and Tunney uh, together and separate. Um, And we've got a nice smattering of of the early 1900s stuff, you know, the T218s, the T220s, um, a little bit of photography, if I remember correctly. And uh, yeah, I've been a boxing guy. Boxing is in my family. I had an uncle who was great friends with two-ton Tony Galeno. Two-ton Tony. Um, Yeah, Tony was actually a pallbearer at my uncle's funeral. Um, so yeah, I, I've been a boxing nut all along. So when I started the company, I had access to some of that stuff because of my connections collecting. So that's why we always in our pre-walk can have a nice little boxing selection. Are you a boxing fan at all? Uh, I was, I used to be. The three greatest rounds in the history of boxing on television. Hagler Hearns, that three-round fight yeah, was absolutely was amazing. Yeah, that was a phenomenal. I just fight. go watch the first round just for the fun of it. I just go. I still watch it. I still go on YouTube yeah. and watch it. It was just an amazing, amazing uh, fight. Uh, battle, really? Mm. It was. It was. Yeah, no, I remember. Um, what else? Uh, pre-war cards, autographs, boxing. What else do you have, Scott? I mean, because you got a well, and just you know, and it's something kind of you always talk about. You know, we have all those T two O sixes. And we're doing them the way we do them. Yes, they have the cobs and the whatnot. But if you need an Ed Appetitio blue sleeves and two, you can buy it individually in this auction. You don't have to pick up, you know, 30 other cards to get it. You know, if you need a Heine Zimmerman, you know, in, in, in one, you still can buy just that card. Almost every T206 in the auction is being sold individually. So if you're working on that set or you're working on a background or you're working on a player or you're working on a team, You'll be able to buy just the cards you need. All right, we have about a minute left. Oh, I uh, want to ask him if he, you got my favorite player possibly in it, Rip Rapolsky. <laughs> yeah, Rip. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> what? Hey, it, 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 no, Rip's later than T206. Yes, what? much later. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, uh, <laughs> before we let you guys go, one Ed Abiticcio, you guys are the experts, one Ed Abiticcio trivia question. What is it? What, what is his cl- real claim to fame? Anybody know? Uh, yes, football. Um, trying to remember what it is, though, exactly. He's considered, he's it's really the considered the first professional football player. He was a punter. There you go. 
And first professional football player, punter, and he was a uh, baseball player. Well, I'll get you back then. Well, who's the only, who's the the only reason he, he knows that? Card? The only reason he knows that because the guy's a, Italian. That's, that's all. That's a good question. I don't know who. Greasy Neal. Oh, God, I would have never guessed that. All right, listen, we're out of time. Your auction guys, ends on October 29th. Uh, for yep. those folks Great that want to get into love of the game, Al, what's the deadline for auction uh, for consignments? We're past it. You're we're, already we're, past it. Uh, we're right on top of, uh, you know, we're almost uh, getting ready to, to get this fall auction underway. And when do you have a date yet? Uh, yeah, it's going to close this Saturday after Thanksgiving. We do that every year. That's our, our big one. Fantastic. Thank you, Steve. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Always appreciate you guys coming on. You. Michael, thank you. thanks for joining us. Rico, well, congratulations on getting your hat back. Yeah, By the way, it doesn't fit your head anymore. Of course you know not. That. And with that being said to us. <laughs> Rico was on marinara sauce. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> with that being said, happy collecting. Thank you. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.